Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my talk about asking the question, is Shadowkeep just a reskin? If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. That will bring you right to my Twitch channel. I'm probably live right now. Saynotorage.com. Come on in, join the conversation. You can also hit like and subscribe if you're on YouTube or other places. That helps me out. Uh, I am going to be having my friends take me through for the sake of time and grind. I want to create content. They are willingly just kind of carrying me through this content. I'm not matchmaking and being like the AFK douche, okay? So don't give me grief in the comments. They willingly said, hey, we'll we'll drag you through so you can do your talk and not miss out on grind. So we're replaying the first mission for the powerful. So is it just a reskin, okay? This is a common criticism right now that I believe is getting completely overstated. It's, it's very, very exaggerated. I do not think that the amount of reused content in this is worthy of the criticism it's getting, and I'm going to try and give you a lot of reasons behind that. First, I want to talk about the moon, then I want to talk about the missions, then I want to talk about this is the beginning, the beginning. So the moon, the missions, the beginning, all right? Now, before I even get into those points, I do want to say, if you feel like there's too much reskinned, too much reused assets, okay? I don't want to say that you're not allowed to feel that, but I'm going to try and make it very clear through, like, basic math, like, quantitatively adding up all the things that were actually reused, and then talk about the way that they were reused to actually show this is a significant amount of new content, given that ahead of time, you were told this is a Rise of Iron Size DLC, and we're going back to the moon. They showed us the enemies we were going to be refighting. They showed us Omnigol. They showed us Skolas, we knew we were going to be refighting those enemies, okay? So you don't get to complain about that. If you willingly gave money, then you knew what you were buying. Someone in my comments yesterday said, well, no, we're allowed to complain about that. Just because you tell me ahead of time you're going to punch me in the face doesn't mean I'm going to like it. That's a terrible parallel. If you came up to me and said, I'm going to give you $5 to punch me, and I warned you and said, it's going to hurt, you don't, you don't get to complain afterwards that it hurt. You willingly subjected yourself to content that you knew was going to be somewhat to some degree reused assets and you knew it was going to be rise of iron in size so to complain about those things after the fact is honestly stupid if you willingly gave money for dlc that you knew would be this size and would utilize old assets like the moon and certain bosses then you don't get to complain about that okay that's illogical now if you're gonna complain about that those are not even valid criticisms and i'm going to show you why first let's talk about the moon the moon feels nothing like it did in D1. People that are like, oh, you're back to the moon, same old place, same old place. That is a total hyperbolic overstatement if I've ever seen one. It is larger. There are new areas. The lost sectors are the best lost sectors in all of Destiny 2. They're like miniature strikes, and there are four of them, okay? Those are brand new. Those are like new missions just that are new areas. Those areas did not exist. If you add up the amount of new areas on the moon and then try to argue it's a reskin, you gotta add all four lost sectors. They're enormous. Then you gotta add up Sorrow Harbor. Then you gotta add up the strike, the Scarlet Keep, because that's essentially attached to the moon. The return to the moon is not a reskin. That is that has got to be one of the most intellectually bankrupt statements to make about the moon. It is not a reskin. The even the assets being reused have been changed. The very areas that you're in don't look the same. They don't flow the same. The flow of the ads and the enemies are different. The public events are different. It is not at all the same planet. In the it it, it is it is it is just bankrupt to say. You know what a reskin was when they put snow on parts of the Cosmodrome. Okay, that was a reskin. They're like we're gonna sprinkle snow 
still on the Cosmodrome. Now, that now the Plague Lands were brand new, but that's a reskin. If if I take your car and I add a and I add a wrap to it, and I just change the color of your car with a vehicle wrap, that's a reskin. If I make your car bigger, if I change the interior, if I change the engine, the tires, all of it, so that it looks like a completely different car, but you can still kind of see the frame underneath, that is not a reskin. Okay, that's a rebuild. That's a repurpose. There's a big giant difference between the two so the shape the flow and the size and the amount of activity have been significantly increased if you added up all those spaces again this criticism dies against the simple math of how much the geography has changed about how many new areas there are when you add all those things up that is a complete that is the death of this criticism that the oh the moon is a reskin okay people that use this honestly the irony here is they're trying to claim that like Bungie's being lazy the irony is that saying this is a reskin is got to be one of the single laziest criticisms of shadow that I've ever, ever heard. All right, number two, the missions. Okay, first, the opening mission and the new strike have got to be two of the best pieces of content that they have ever added to Destiny. Now, I know that's me voicing my opinion, but if you're a fan of Destiny, I find it very hard to accept that anybody who's a fan of Destiny went into the opening mission or the new strike, the new strike, the one that's on the moon, the one that's called the Scarlet Keep, okay? Those... I don't want to launch that right now. Those are fantastic pieces of content. And if you don't think so, that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. I find it unlikely that true fans of the franchise would play either of those pieces of content and shrug them off as boring or not that interesting. Those, The opening mission... The, the, the reveal of the sh- of, of the pyramid, all of that is phenomenal. The nightmare hunts and the memories. Okay, let's talk about that. Because this is one of the things people are zeroing in on. Well, the Gaul fight's identical. The Fnatic fight's identical. Those fights last 20 seconds. So if you want to take your 20 seconds, your piddly little 20 second fight at the end of the game and try to use that to say, bunch of reskins, bunch of the same fights. Those are literally moments, brief moments as a means of memory in storytelling. They are storytelling aspects of the game. They are not meant to be like missions and like, oh, they're so crazy. They're so awesome. They're 20 seconds easy. All right. Now, if we go to the actual nightmare fights, Omnigol, Skolas, and uh, Fogoth, these fights are in familiar areas. Yes, but they're different. There are different mechanics. The flow of the fight, the enemies in the room are all different. Keep in mind, Nightmare Hunts have three difficulties that have not yet launched that are f- that are forthcoming. Hero, Legend, and Master. We have zero idea what that's going to do to change the fights, modifiers, incentive to run them because right now the loot incentive is a little a little meager it's like bounties to craft the weapons for uh for Eris, which there's an amazing role on the grenade launcher that you should really try and get as often as you can uh but we'll talk about that in another video the story elements that they use with Eris and the pyramid ships and everything else i believe these are some of the strongest story elements they've had since King's Fall. Now, Forsaken was really, really good, but the Barons were such an afterthought. They're such an afterthought. We can't replay the Barons. The Barons are kind of already behind us, and in the storyline, the Barons didn't add much. They escaped from the prison. It was like, okay, they're bad guys. This is a far deeper and more far-reaching way of telling the story. It's touching on everything. From the beginning of Destiny 1 to now, these story elements are all tied together, and if if that, as a fan of the franchise, doesn't get you excited or you don't think it was very good, I 
I'm just confused because I thought the Barons were cool, but they didn't have the impact of Eris Morn talking about Crota and her narration during Scarlet Keep and everything we've done up to this point. This this DLC ties Destiny 1 to now all together with a nice bow for us to springboard beyond, and the Barons were just like brand new enemies. It's kind of like Axis in Rise of Iron, right? You're sort of like, who the frick is this guy? It didn't have the same punch as when Oryx shows up because we killed Crota. Lastly, let's talk about the beginning, because I do believe this is where some people are missing the mark. They're so zoomed in, they know they can claim reskin, so that's all they talk about. They're so zoomed in, that's all they think about, that's all they focus on. The reality is, this is just the beginning. They're just getting started changing Armor 2.0 investments and other things. I'm just going to rattle off things that have not yet happened, because we're only a few days into the content. We're the first week, and folks are already like forgetting that they're, we're not done yet right this is literally the beginning of not just the change at Bungie for new content it's the beginning of the season for Pete's sakes alright there are three more nightmare hunt difficulties there are also the, the increased night, uh, difficulties for nightfall that almost none of us almost none of us have uh, have engaged with right and there's the raid there is the vex offensive there is the dungeon there is the armor 2.0 grind there are the free events okay that all those things there's exotic quests as well they we're just getting started okay we are just getting started there there is not that we have not exhausted the content yet so to play through the campaign and the moon and the story and to conclude that it's just a bunch of reskin content has got to be one of the single most empty vapid and stupid criticisms i have ever heard about dlc from bungie i have criticisms okay lack of new guns lack of vendor refresh lack of new and interesting perks on guns okay i i have criticisms i would like to see those things filled and worked on but we're going to be wasting our time and spinning our wheels if we get caught up in hyperbolic exaggerated criticisms about reskin content and nothing new it's all the stuff we've played before those things are not helpful right now i think there are better things for us to talk about and criticize i'll have forthcoming videos about things i want to see improved going forward and as always if you're watching in all the other locations you can always find me at say no to rage.com as always please like share and subscribe Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be about how to fix scouts in Destiny 2. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can probably catch me live right now. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage. There's a link below. Click that link. Come hang out with us. Now, keep in mind, I'm trying to front load content for YouTube. I'm recording this on September the 23rd. We don't really know the full scope of what they're doing with scouts in Shadowkeep. So if you comment on this and you're like, Lono Shadowkeep came out and they did a bunch of stuff, keep in mind, I'm trying to touch on a lot of different things with scouts. I know they're trying to buff them, and I know they're probably going to get some good treatment in Shadowkeep. I have bigger ideas beyond just a damage buff, so bear with me. This video's got some pretty cool ideas at the end about how to change exactly how scouts behave instead of just giving them a damage buff. Keep that in mind, please. There will not be a Q&A attached to this video either. This is just going to be... I'm going to be doing these new standalone videos periodically. It feeds the YouTube more content. I cannot do a Q&A every time I do this. I'm doubling up and tripling up my content some days while while I'm live for like 9 or 10 hours on Twitch. So bear with me. You're not always going to get a Q&A attached to these. I am sorry about that. Okay, first, we want to talk about scouts being too weak. We got to start there. They're too weak. Why are they too weak? We're going to walk through that. Second part of the video, long range. 
we're going to talk about the need of long range in the game, how it's not that often, and how there are other weapons that tend to uh, you know, meet that need anyway. There's a lot of long-range weapons in the game that outshine scouts. Lastly, I want to talk about variable scouts and critical hits. Uh, I've got some ideas on how to completely change the way scouts perform in the game and completely change the way that they function, okay? So, you guys can submit questions right now about this, but this is this, the Q&A session that, that's attached is going to be attached to the Destiny's 2 is too stingy. So let's talk about how they're too weak. Currently, scouts feel just like they're only good if you land headshots and even when you land headshots they don't feel that particularly strong especially as soon as you leave sort of like public space environment as soon as i'm not in like a public space public event lost sector scouts just feel unbelievably weak and i know people are going to say well they did a damage buff lono they feel better you know this video was recorded a week ago and now they're actually not too bad okay that's fine but in a general sense scouts even kind of sound weak like experientially okay Experientially, what they really, really need to do, I believe, is add more player feedback as well for the sake of how the scout is experienced by the player. One of the things that I have absolutely fallen in love with in Borderlands 3 are Jacob's weapons because Jacob's weapons are incredibly responsive and they feel like they're punchy. They sound good. There's something about them that sounds strong. Virtually, all of the scouts in this game, when I use them, they, the, the damage output is weak, but the experience of using the weapon is also weak. That's just sort of how those weapons are landing right now, and I'm hoping the damage buff can help a little bit. Needing headshots is understandable, but it's really compounded by something else. So basically, whenever you're using like a hand cannon or a pulse rifle or an auto rifle, landing headshots is actually like a really, really good way, I think, to do damage. And then whenever you're using a scout, that that is still there, okay? But it's compounded by something else, and that's the second part of this talk, long range. The way this game is built, you've got to go all the way back and try to remember how unfun Double Primary was in the first year of Destiny 2. Double primary was really, really lame, and it's hard for us to remember. Like, we've kind of erased that from our memory. We're not in a double primary anymore. We're all running, like, shotguns and fusions and stuff in the secondary slot, and that's really, really nice. However, there's so few spots in the game where you really need that level of range. And typically, in D2 when it launched, if you wanted that range, it wasn't a big deal. If you had on your hand cannon or your auto rifle, you'd bring along a pretty nice scout. We had scouts like the Mananan and the Call to Serve and some others that felt really, really nice and you could hit those shots from really, really, you know, long you know, long way away. And those, those periodic pain points in the content you know, they were met. You you would meet them with the weapons and you'd have them with you. Suddenly you can only carry one primary and you're really, really unlikely, you're unlikely to say, when I go into this raid or this strike or this area, I better bring a scout. You're probably just going to bring your token, you know, favorite hand cannon, pulse, or auto rifle. So even if they buff or have buff at the time of this video when it hits YouTube, if they buff scouts to a really good place, my concern is always going to be there's not a lot of need for that long range drawn back type of playstyle and even if there is here's another problem pulses are really really strong and bows are getting a nice buff against miners because they're lowering crit multipliers and they're part of that buff right pulses and bows 
get the job done if you're in content that feels particularly long range and long, you know, sight lines and things like that. Like, you can just use a bow. You can just use a pulse. You don't really feel, like, driven to a scout. There's nothing that appealing about a scout that makes you say, oh, I better use this instead of a bow or a pulse. One of the main problems, I think, with ranged combat in Destiny is it's infrequent, and the minute you're not in ranged combat, everything is really agile, everything is really fast and sort of rambunctious. Everything can jump and teleport and skate. You know, you got the Scions that do like their little their little speed skating movement. There's a lot of things in the game that make it really, really difficult to feel empowered when you're using a ranged weapon, and that's one of the reasons why I think scouts are going to struggle without some of these suggestions here at the end of the video so we need agility and we need the ability to call an audible and I think that's very difficult you could call that audible when you ran double primary that 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 audible ability is gone you can't do that now within the nature of how they built the game so let's talk about variable and crits now at a ground level the crit multiplier on scouts may need looked at because th- this video we haven't tried out any of the new stuff you know they're 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 raising some of the some of the base damage and they're lowering crit multipliers. That could have unforeseen consequences on scouts. Maybe it makes scouts really really appealing. It's hard to know, but at first sort of pass, I would say scouts are going to need one of the highest crit multipliers or at least one of the highest base damages in the game because if you miss your your crits and you land those body shots, the base damage of a scout needs to be particularly high because of the nature of the weapon because hand cannons are a good example of this hand cannons if you don't land uh, the headshot you still get decent damage output and it stuns the enemy and they have agility so they got a lot going for them scouts at the current time need some of those things turned up they need the ability to stun hit really hard at base damage and they also need agility and I think here's how you could get it a variable scout or a variable scout type would be a very very good beginning to making scouts more enjoyable. And a variable scout would basically function by, if you hold down X, it changes the range of the weapon, and it would basically alternate between auto rifle and scout, okay? And whenever people are going to say, oh, that sounds like an exotic, I don't really think so, because what you're basically doing is you're giving me two weapons that are decent, they're not that great. Auto rifles are not amazing, maybe they get a little bit better with the increase in base damage and less of a dependency on crits, because they're lowering crit damage against miners, so maybe auto rifles become a whole lot better after some of these changes. Scouts could become a whole lot better too, and a variable scout that could basically, you hold down X and it brings back the range, it changes the sight on it, the actual ADS sight line on it, the, you know, the red dot or whatever you want to call it, and now it's a variable scout. Now, I don't know if you would want to have a whole new archetype of scouts that we, you would call variable scouts or just introduce a pinnacle and that would be kind of their way of experimenting and saying, okay, let's see if this can work with changing the actual range, efficiency, and fire rate on the fly by holding down X and we're going to call them variable scouts. Okay. Second, I think they can introduce precision scouts. Okay. They probably already have precision frameworks, but hear me out. Precision scouts would essentially get the ability to scope in and see different crit spots that would have different benefits. So imagine playing again, you're going to you're going to play drawn back, you're going to play range here. You have to force yourself to play this way. A lot of the content, everything's really close to you. But imagine sightlining in on a knight or a major, and instead of just seeing their head as the crit, it has their shoulders and their knees also highlighted red. And if you use that scout 
to shoot those crit spots, there could be in-game benefits. If it's something that's running at you really fast, and you land that shot on their knee, they would stumble and slow down. It would slow their movement. It's like an injury. You hit them in the shoulder, it could slow down their attack patterns. That could be very useful against, like, taken captains, who are constantly spamming that taken ball. You hit them in the shoulder, and the intrinsic benefit in the game could be that... It slows down their attack patterns and their ability refreshes. So crits that then have in-game bonuses could give scouts some legwork and at least make you feel like you're playing in a specific way. Now, high rate of fire, you know, scouts, you'd have to have those paired with some certain things like damage buffs or elemental perks or something like that. A high rate of fire scout's nice. There's those ones, those vice ones that are like, they like shoot really, really fast. It would be neat, I think, if those got something where, you know, if you landed, you know, consistent damage, like the damage went up over time, maybe better than Rampage, something elemental that if you land enough damage on their body, it does some sort of damage over time or some sort of stun something. This is why I think elemental primaries need to return to the game because it would let them do more elemental perks like that. We need scouts to land on Destiny as a whole game the way that like pulses and hand cannons, those guns kind of land on the whole game. You know, they land and you know where to use them and how to use them. Scouts just have not landed in the game. So even with a damage buff to make them stronger, they need to land on the game as it is. There are so many places they're not viable. There's so many places you don't need that long range. We need something to spruce them up. And those are just some of my ideas on how to bring them forward. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, twitch.tv, the link below. As always, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be an episode about the difficulty changes coming to Shadowkeep in Destiny 2. This has been hotly debated about we're going to feel weak, it's going to be year one, so I wanted to talk about this. This is being recorded on October the 1st before Shadowkeep goes live. Keep that in mind with my comments, some of the stuff we're going to experience throughout this week. As always, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can catch me live probably right now at saynotorage.com. That'll bring you right to my Twitch channel, so come on in to sayno2rage.com to join the conversation and submit those questions. So, why did I want to talk about this? Like, I, I think in general, this is one of the things that might be getting lost in the discussion because people are seeing nerfs and tweaks and pinnacle weapons being removed and perks being lowered and damage and crit multipliers being lowered. It's I think it's difficult navigating through all that and kind of seeing the forest for the trees. So I really wanted to dig in on difficulty changes and also speak to something that I'm hearing a lot of. The front of this video is going to be, are we going back to Destiny 2 Year 1? There are a lot of people con- you know, concerned that we're going back to Destiny 2 Year 1. It's gonna, We're going to feel weak. It's going to not feel fun, blah, blah, blah. Like, I get it and I want to speak to that. I want to I, I say why I don't think that's happening. Second, I want to talk about the incoming difficulty settings. This is something we have been asking for for a while. Difficulty settings coming to activities, you know, the easy, medium, hard. We're getting four difficulty settings and I want to talk about what I think that's going to bring to the game. Lastly, the language of this is a first step from Luke Smith's letter that I already read. This being a first step, we got to keep that perspective. We got to keep those things in our mind as we kind of look at these changes that this is taking us to a certain place. Thank you for the tier three brand new sub. Unbelievable today. Uh, Thank you again. Um, So, a lot of folks are worried that we're going back to Destiny 2 Year 1. If you're new to Destiny, New Light, Shadowkeep, Forsaken, all of that, and if you're new to that, 
you might not really be familiar with how bad year one was. It was rough. Uh, we had we, you, you could only equip two primaries, and then you had like a heavy weapon, and uh, it was it was really really challenging. Twenty three months from Space Monkey, almost two years, and five gifted subs from Wyrick. I'm only thanking those. I usually don't do that, but I'm doing it because it's been crazy today. Um, so a lot of folks are worried we're going back. So if you're unfamiliar with year one, you're gonna be like, well, like, do is this uh. Is this like a, oh no, you're going to make us weaker. Oh no, we're going back to weak primaries. I don't think so, okay? There were tons of things in Destiny 2 1 that made us weak that are not present anymore. Number one, requiring double primary made us feel pretty freaking weak. You had one power weapon. Do you remember? Shotguns were in the power slot, chat. They were in the power slot, okay? That's not happening. We're not going back to that extreme level of feeling weak. There was a lot of things back then. Static rolls on weapons was another reason that made us feel weak. There wasn't really any any razzmatazz. There was nothing like, oh, you can get this roller. Oh, you can get that roll to make guns distinct or different. We were also slower. Our abilities were weaker. Our supers were weaker. Everything was toned down significantly at the beginning of Destiny 2 Year 1. That is not what they're doing with these changes. The changes to Destiny 2 to with you know no more pinnacles they're just going to be curated roles with the you know lowering of certain perks number one the perks they're lowering were overkill 67 percent damage buffs not needed on red bars you don't need to kill them that fast also keep in mind they're adding finishers to the game so if you're one-shotting every single ad that's close to you every single time you go into content that's really going to hurt the ability for you to have uh, you know finishers to have a presence in the game and for use you to use them as a combat option uh there's also four difficulty spectrums being added they're lowering how delta is felt if, if something is 10 levels to 40 levels above you now it's not going to be as painful they're going to die a little bit faster and do less damage to you than they previously did giving you that empowerment to say well you know i'm 950 but i can go into 980 content and it's not insanely painful it was a bit of a pendulum swing up to now for difficulty spectrum heroic menagerie is probably the perfect example of this you also have to remember something Static rolls and double primary led to absolutely no spectrum within the gameplay. No spectrum. If you remember the prestige version of Leviathan and how unfun and frustrating that endeavor was. Leviathan prestige is what illuminated my mind to how bad the weapon system was. Slayer Rage put out his weapon video. I had experienced Leviathan prestige very soon, like very close proximity to that. And I was like, this weapon system is absolutely terrible. That is not where we are headed. We really need to remember accurately just how bad year one was and not throw the flag on the play and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe Bungie's taking us back to year one. Secondly, let's talk about difficulty settings. If you've been playing Destiny for a long time, you understand the value of difficulty settings. You understand how fun it was to go from normal King's Fall to hard King's Fall. I champion that philosophy all the time. They actually built the hard version of King's Fall first and then they toned things down for normal normal that was probably the single greatest and most perfect way to do difficulty spectrum then they did something similar in wrath you had normal hard and then challenge mode and a lot of us have missed that difference in the game going up in difficulty and they're doing that not just with delta not just with damage output of the ads and the health of the ads they're adding modifiers they're adding new enemy types they're doing things to the game to bring it into a more fully more realized mmo rpg experience and i really think that we need to keep that in mind when we see certain things getting toned down this is all one giant picture of the difficulty changes to the game this isn't just about making you feel weak it's about bringing spectrum dynamics and 
and differences in your loadout and differences in the gameplay. The Delta changes alone are going to allow you to experiment and go into content you ordinarily would either ignore, avoid, or wait for perfect modifiers. The Delta changes are going to give you a little bit more freedom and a little bit more boldness to jump in there, take a crack, and see how it feels. I'm really hoping to see the difficulty spectrum expand to raids and other segments of the game because I do think difficulty spectrum adds a lot of life. In the same in in, in the same way that random rolls adds a lot of life to the game and really helps in weapon pursuit, I think difficulty settings are also a huge huge win for the game's longevity and the game's presence uh, and the game's value. Zybersword with 10 gifted subs, you guys are ridiculous. G Lemons with a 34 month resub as well and a gifted sub to Faraka. Thank you guys so much for all the subs today. Um, you need to stop. <laughs> uh, lastly, let's talk about first step. Um, King Tony as well with the prime sub. A lot of people, you know, may have not read Luke Smith's like letter, which is why I kind of wanted to read it and put it on the channel for you guys to see. Uh, T Bear Air to thank you for the prime sub. I wanted to read through that because I do think his candor, his passion, his care. Uh, you know, just him talking about how he feels, how he's experienced everything from Destiny 1 to now. I liked reading that, and I think that was really important to highlight. This is a first step. The game's not arriving. This is putting us on a path to get where they want to take the game. So, don't expect everything to be exactly as it's supposed to be. The weapon system alone is still, I think, deeply flawed. I can say I'm hopeful, excited, and glad things are changing, while still being critical and saying that the weapon system, I believe, is still deeply flawed and very rudimentary and very and, and too simplistic not enough depth not enough dynamics in the weapon system but luke smith made it clear this is a beginning and this is less of a reaction and more of a and more of and more of uh proaction okay we've watched the game waffle and slide across a spectrum all throughout the years it's always a reaction Something's too strong, something's too weak, and it feels like a pendulum swinging back and forth. We use that image all the time because it seems so it seems so clear what needs to happen, and then they do it, and then we don't realize the ramifications of that reaction, and then we get frustrated, and then we feel too weak, or we don't like where things are going. You know, we want to primary base this, or we want this to be weaker, we want this to dominate this. And then when we get it, it doesn't feel quite right. And so everything I'm reading in their outlines, their vision, what they want to do with, you know, armor, what they want to do with our investment and the difficulty and everything, it really does feel like they are being proactive. They're setting their sights on the future, not reacting. And that's why, unfortunately, that is actually one of the reasons why a lot of things needed to be nerfed and toned down. There was a lot of reaction laden in the game still with how strong Ikelos was, how strong Lunafaction Rifts were, and how strong certain perks were. A lot of those were reactions to year one and we're not in a spectrum of reaction anymore. Weapons are still going to get treatment eventually so we need to continue to provide that feedback how we think that could provide a synergistic build or loadout system with the, with the Armor 2.0 and everything that you could be doing with Armor 2.0. You also have to remember that as things land and synergy start to emerge, you're going to develop new things that you like. Clinging to one weapon, one perk, or one loadout and wanting to run that for forever isn't really in the spirit of Destiny. It's really not in the spirit of an MMO, an RPG, or a looter shooter. Moving forward, trying new things, trying new loadouts, chasing new loot is within the identity of Destiny. And we have to have meta shifts. We have to have things that don't take us back. So when you're worried about Destiny 2 Year 1 and you think we're going back to the stone 
Stone Ages, static rolls and statically meta perks are honestly very similar, and I don't think a lot of people picked up on that. Everybody running the same grenade launchers and the same skill trees and the same exotics was very, very similar, ironically enough, to static rolls in year one. We were all kind of doing predictable builds, predictable rolls on guns, predictable ways of damaging the enemies, and it very, very much felt like we were kind of honestly trending back to we were honestly, you know, trending back to Destiny Year One in a different way. It was a static, boring, predictable sort of everybody's doing the same thing sort of way, and it was the illusion of choice. It was a lot of a lot of pigeonholing and a lot of restriction that was passive and you didn't sense. So I think we're actually stepping out away from that and saying it's all about customization, investment, loadout, synergy, and we're stepping onto that road. So I'm excited about where things are going with difficulty spectrum adding to that as well so if you're listening to this on itunes google play spotify or watching on youtube we're going to transition to a short q a to get us all the way to Shadowkeep. if you're watching in those other locations i'm probably live right now go to say no to rage.com it'll take you right to my twitch channel as always please like share and subscribe